0: Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. The entirety of Seneca's on the shortness of life is concerned with time, what we do with it, what we make of it, whether we're living, merely existing, and so it's quite understandable that at some point he would turn to talking about what we could call not just the metaphysics of time, but also human attitudes towards and about and within time. And in chapter 10, he finally brings up the topic and introduces something that sounds very, very commonsensical, but there's a lot to it that we need to explore there's three times, the past, the present, and the future. And we typically think of these as lying on a sort of continuum where the past is, say, behind us and we're in the present and we're moving into the future. And we easily lose sight of the fact that the present is actually slipping into the past. It's becoming past. A lot of The past was all these presents that have now slipped into there. And they even had each of them their own future. And this has been going on age after age after age. Now, Seneca is going to say life is divided into, it's translated here as three parts, but a more literal translation would be three times. Tria tempora. So three distinct times that are all connected with each other, what are these times? So it's interesting too, because in the translations, typically they'll just say past and present and future. What Seneca is actually saying in the Latin is that which was. Makes sense that we would call that the past, right? Quod fuit. the present, quod est. What is, what's here right now, where we are in what we call the present. And then the future. Quod futurum est. And you notice that that word that we get future from is actually coming from the Latin here. And this is all from the words to be, right? What was, what is in the past, what happened, what is, what is now in the present, and what is going to be coming in the future. Hopefully, perhaps. (laughs) The future of course is not fixed in stone the way say that the past is and so he's going to go on and tell us of these the present is brief now what he calls the present here is literally what we do quote agimus and you could say that is how we pass time right but Agimus also has this more energetic sense or quality to it. What it is that we commit to, what it is that we do with this little space that we have. As we're going to see, the present is indeed brief, breva in Latin. And then what else? Well, the future is uncertain or doubtful. The future is what we will do, quote, acturi sumus, what it is that we probably, likely, hope to do, right? And then we have the past, what we did, what we committed to, what we spent our time on. That is certain. That is not going to change. That is how it already is. And so he says, this last, the past, is the category over which fortune, randomness in the world no longer has any control and cannot be brought back under anyone else's power and then he's going to tell us something else preoccupied people the okupatai right the people who are busying themselves in the present they lose this past they Don't have leisure to look back at the past. And even if they did have it, there's no pleasure in recalling it. We're going to come back to that in just a bit. But first we should think about this. So the present, the present is an instant, a moment. It's here and then it's gone. It's now in the past, right? And the future becomes our present. So he goes on and he says that the present time is very brief. Indeed, so very brief that to some people it seems to be non-existent. There is no real present. It's always in motion, he says, slipping by and hurrying on. It ceases to be before it arrives and it no more suffers delay than do the firmament, that's the sky, or the heavenly bodies whose ever tireless movement never lets them remain in the same position so this is quite an important thing to say and he's going to conclude that by bringing up once again the preoccupied people those who are too busy in the present those who are thinking about the future and here he says the preoccupied are concerned with the present alone right Now, is that completely true? No, because he will talk about them being concerned with the future as well. But he says they're concerned with the present alone and it's so fleeting it can't be grasped. Even that little amount is stolen away from them because they're pulled in many different directions. They are being drawn into all the things that occupy their minds that keep them busy. Busier than they ought to be. So, coming back to this discussion of the preoccupied, he says preoccupied people lose the past. It's not that they don't have a past, but we're talking about the orientation of the human being to their past. He says that they don't have the time to look at it, and if they have, there's no pleasure in recalling something regrettable, something bad. They're unwilling to turn their minds back to times badly spent. They dare not revisit the past because their vices, become obvious in retrospect, even those that insinuated themselves by allurement of momentary pleasure. No one gladly casts his thoughts back to the past except for the person whose every action has been subjected to his self-assessment, which is infallible. A person who has been ambitious, arrogant, unrestrained, treacherous, greedy, lavish. A person like this as he says, has to be afraid of his own memory. And isn't this true? People sometimes will look back at a past, but it's a confabulated past in which they're the victim or they're the hero, not just the schmuck who screwed things up in ways that they could have avoided if they were actually paying attention, following the ways that they ought to live. And so he goes on and he says, you know, it's too bad. Because this is the part of our existence that is consecrated and set apart, elevated above all human vicissitudes, removed beyond fortune's sway, harried by no poverty, no fear, no attacks of disease. This part, the past, can be neither disrupted nor stolen away. Our possession of it is everlasting and untroubled. He says, days are present only one at a time, and these only minute by minute. The present, very hard to hold on to, right? And you often hear people saying, just live in the present. Only pay attention to the present. Don't worry about the past. Seneca is saying, that's foolish. The past is your possession. Obviously, you can't be in the past, but you can direct your memory to the past Days are present only one at a time, but all the days of time past will attend you at your bidding and allow you to examine them and hold on to them at your will. But this is something that preoccupied people rob themselves of of the time in the present to do in relation to the past. He says, it takes a tranquil and untroubled mind to roam freely over all these times of life, but preoccupied minds cannot turn around and look backward. Their life disappears into an abyss, just as it does no good to pour any amount of liquid into a vessel if there's nothing at the bottom. It makes no difference how much time we're given if there's nowhere for it to settle. And a little bit later on, he is going to reference something really quite interesting. He's going to talk about, this is shortly after he talks about how we can recover our past, which we'll get to in a moment. He says, for those who forget the past, and forget the past here, Praeterium right? So to be oblivious to, to lose sight of what went before, right? What happened in the past. Those who forget the past or disregard the present, necklegont, right? Neglecting the presentia, the things that are here in front of us, and who fear the future de futuro timet timet temere is to, to fear to have anxiety about those who do this he says their life is very brief and very troubled when they reach the end of it they realize too late that they've been busied so long in doing nothing in accomplishing nothing in holding on to nothing and he says and the fact that they sometimes pray for death need hardly be taken as evidence that their life is long they're affected by fickle fear feelings that rush them into the very things they fear. There's no reason to find evidence. They live long in the fact that the day often seems long to them. Sometimes they're bored. Sometimes they're anticipating what's going to happen and they're preoccupied with that. And they can't actually, you know, they can't enjoy the past, but they can't even enjoy the present that they're in. They, they need to get through it right away. And then when they get through it, now they've lost it. They can't get it back. So. This is, you know, some very important ideas. What is Seneca saying we ought to do? How can we remedy this? Through wisdom, through relying on the wisdom of others, which we can connect with, and developing wisdom ourselves? He says that the sages, the wise person's life, is ample in scope. He's not constricted by the same limit that confines others. He's released from the limitations of the human race. Some time has passed. He holds it in recollection. He can access the past. Time is upon it. He uses it. He makes use of it. Time to come. This he anticipates. He looks forward to. And then Seneca says, and here's a very interesting idea. The combining of these, the integrating of past, present, and future together is what makes life long. Now, We can do this not only by living a long, productive, well-integrated life in our lifetime, we can actually expand beyond our own lifetime. As Seneca says, we can benefit from the wisdom of others. He says, those who give their time to philosophy or to wisdom are at leisure alone they truly live it's not only their own lifetime they watch over carefully they annex every age to their own all the years that are that are gone before are added to their own and he gives you know all sorts of examples of interesting philosophers and what they have to offer to us as high priests as friends as companions as guides as all of these different things that we could be connected to and he says since nature allows a shared possession of any age Why not turn from this short and fleeting passage of time and give ourselves over to the past? Not just our own past, but the past of others. Why not take it on and enjoy this? Measureless, eternal, shared with our betters. And so this is a way in which we can actually enjoy more time by imitating the wise person who integrates these three times together and thereby has a truly long life not like the preoccupied who are really neither in the past nor in their present nor even in their future and who live a life that passes away all too quickly. We have a choice before us about how we understand and approach time.